The new proposed CBA has started a stir of controversy among players and fans alike. Today we look at the proposed rule changes and how they could reshape the game of football. What might we see change before the rules become official? Also, which position battles are we most looking forward to this offseason? All that and more here on Beyond the Blitz. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, ladies and gentlemen. The Blitz crew back at it, as always. Brandon Wells, Justin Rogers. Special guest today is the Assistant Athletic Director for Media Relations, Game Operations, and Fundraising, Jimmy McCumber. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. How are you guys? Oh, we're doing pretty good. So, first off, Jimmy, we're going to go through the lead headliners real quick. There's 10 points that's going on around the NFL, and you're just going to kind of tell us what you think about them. So, the Chicago Bears have cut receiver Taylor Gabriel and defensive back Prince Amukamara. Yeah, I think those are moves that had to happen. The Bears are a team that's in trouble right now. There's so much talk this offseason about the quarterback picture. They're a team that should be a dark horse in that. I think they're hurtling towards a Blake Bortles-sized wall right now where I don't think they have the person at that spot. But you look around the roster, I think even with these two moves, that only opens up about $16 million in space. So no real ability, even if they were to bring in another quarterback to let them pick some other offensive upgrades. They only have two picks in the first four rounds. They need to replace Kyle Long on offense. You know, they have a couple other free agents on defense. So I, I think they're a team that's in a lot of trouble. They had to make these moves just to open up some space. Danny Trevathan, haha, Clinton Dix are two of the free agents on defense they need mm-hmm. to do something about. Not sure where they get all the upgrades they need. And again, that's one team that I don't think has the solution at quarterback. And if I were them, I'd figure it out now what, rather than pick up his fifth-year option, keep moving forward, and then end up in a worse situation in a few years. I agree with a lot of that. The draft class coming up is such a good quarterback depth. I just don't think the Bears are going to get who they want out of it, though, because there's so many other teams ahead of them yeah. that need a quarterback. They're not going to get the guy they want. And losing a good defensive player like Amuka Mara is going to hurt them. And wherever this kid goes, he's going to be a game-changer for that defense. Yeah. The Detroit Lions have cut Damian Harrison. Yeah, Matt Patricia still finding his way, I guess, if that's being generous. His defense likes having a big defensive tackle, a space eater at the nose guard, so I'm surprised it didn't work out better with Harrison, and now the other defensive tackles, they have a free agents as well, so they're kind of might be starting over at that position, and it's it's a key one in his defense. Again, they like to have people eat up double teams there and allow your linebackers to make plays. So another situation where I, I wouldn't love where I'm at if I'm a Lions fan, and I think they have a lot of work to do. Damon Snatch Harrison has been a monster up on that Detroit line for a long time, and with trade rumors going on around Darius Slay, they could very well lose their two best defensive players on a team that was already struggling. This Lions team is not going anywhere upward so far this offseason. Tight end Jordan Reed has officially been cut by the Redskins to nobody's great surprise. Where can you see this kid going and how much of an impact will he have? Well, I, personally, I'm a Patriots fan, so I need to watch any tight ends that become available because that's yeah. a position of need and they may not have a ton of resources to throw at it, so immediately you think of a guy like this that clearly has talent and has just never been healthy, but I don't know if the health concerns are worth it. Only 24 career TDs. I'm not sure he's an answer anywhere. I'm sure a team like that, like a New England, will give him a chance because they need a need an option at that spot and don't want to devote you know too much cap resources to it. But I'm not sure really he becomes a difference maker anywhere at this point. He still has a lot of talent. When he was in his prime, he was still one of the most high-caliber tight ends in the NFL, so it'll be interesting to see how a jersey swap might work for him. And I think with any of the teams that sign him, because of his injury history, he could 
not be demanding a high salary as well. So you're not really taking a big risk when you sign this guy. And it could be a very high reward if he doesn't get injured for the rest of his career. Yeah, him and Tyler Eifert are probably both in that situation. Yeah. Maybe someone lucks out in, with one of those players. Bit of a unique story come out of the NCAA. Baylor defensive lineman James Lynch has dedicated his combine bench press all to charity. Yeah, it's good to see Baylor in the news now for so many positive reasons. I think that's a credit to Matt Rule for really overhauling the culture there so quickly, not just the wins and losses, but obviously things were not in a good place with the team culture, and that seems to have completely flipped over the last couple of years. So that's another credit to him. It, you know, He's going now to a franchise that has actually had some cultural issues in their office as well, and the Carolina Panthers. I know that was involving ownership and not yeah. football ops as well, but probably another place where he could be a positive leader and have a good impact. It's always good to see things like this, and it's always a green flag when you see a player doing this because you need that kind of charitable guy on your team to help your team image. It's an important thing. We look at J.J. Watt. He's been the Houston Texans image for the whole time he's been there, and it's been nothing but good for that franchise. Remember Des Bryant? Not many people do at this point, but he has worked out with both the Cowboys and the Chiefs this offseason. Will he finally sign with the team after being dormant for a few years? I think yes. I think both those teams make sense for him. You know, the Chiefs could be as a Sammy Watkins replacement. And with that, I sort of look at some of the comments Terrell Suggs made recently about how well he fit into the team culture with the Chiefs, you know, despite being sort of a loud personality. That maybe makes me think of Des Bryant. You know, Suggs really felt accepted there and that, you know, his personality was viewed as a positive. So I think he could be a great fit there. He could make sense for the Cowboys too. If they have to re-sign Dak and Byron Jones, they're going to need to go bargain hunting, you know, at other positions. So I, I do think one of those teams will sign them. They both make a lot of sense. Chase Young will be at the Combine for interviews, but will not work out outside of the typical 40-yard dash. What do you think about this, and could this possibly hurt his chances of getting signed to the Redskins? No, I think from everything I've read, he's guaranteed top two. Yeah. If Tua was healthy, maybe you get two teams thinking quarterback, but... It doesn't seem like he can fall below number two, so I'm not sure there's a big risk there. The Redskins still have Dwayne Haskins. They're not. They're going to try him out for at least a couple more years before they go back to the draft a quarterback route panic button type thing. Ron Rivera is getting his style of team he wants, and Chase Young is that defensive player that could be the difference maker. But again, the question we're going to have to ask in the next couple of months is if somebody gives a very enticing deal to the Washington Redskins at number two, are they going to take that deal? If the Miami Dolphins want to trade up to get Tua for number two, they offer a couple of first-round picks. Do you take the deal or do you go after Chase Young? I think that's going to really calm down to his pro day because he knows that his workout his pro day is going to be just as good mm -hmm. as it is at the scouting combine. So I think this is a good decision for him. I believe that if you announce that you're not going to work out at the combine, they should give your spot to someone who deserves it, someone that will work out, someone that needs that chance in the NFL. I don't like how he's just taking up space pretty much. Maybe Rashawn Myers then? <laughs> yeah, Rashawn Myers, definitely. Call him up. Shout out to Bridgewater. Their carousel of Tom goes round and round and round. Where will Tom Brady actually end up by the beginning of the 2020 season? So I still say New England 50-50 chance, but I do, I'm starting to get worried because I think if he thinks he's going to hit the market, Bill will absolutely move on. I can't imagine, especially with some of the other veteran quarterbacks out there that could be had, that could help you if you're a team that's right there like the Patriots are. He's not going to wait and get stuck sitting at the end of that game in musical chairs. So that would be my concern that they're going to have to work something out during the tampering period or he could be gone. If he goes, it's just hard to find 
the right situation. It's got to be somewhere that he can obviously win right away. It's got to be somewhere that will run his system. I think that's an issue with Vegas. They're so married to the West Coast offense. They'd have Mm -hmm. to completely overhaul their system. I think a team might have to fire their offensive coordinator if they're going to bring him in. Is Chad O'Shea still available after being fired by the Dolphins? I mean, that could be a a Patriot system offensive coordinator out there, but there's just a lot that has to fall into place. If I had to pick a team, I think it's going to be a dark horse, sort of like Peyton Manning to Denver, someone we're maybe Mm. not expecting. It it could be Denver if they were a little closer. I don't think they are, so I'd say Indy. Just think they have good offensive coaches. They're, They're one quarterback away from being probably the favorite it's maybe a less awkward situation with Brissett if they still want to hold on to him. He's good friends with Brady. They have tons of cap space. They have picks. Uh, that would be a scary situation if you know if Brady went there for a couple of years. That team could absolutely win a Super Bowl. I mean, if you grew up watching the NFL from like 2000 to like 2015 and seeing Tom Brady and Peyton Manning go at it, it would be so weird to see Tom Brady in a Colts uniform. It'd be really weird. <laughs> or a Broncos uniform, for that matter. And that's in their true. career in the same place. But I think he would like going to win a Super Bowl for Peyton's team. I, I mean, those guys obviously get along, and the Manning has, you know, sort of ribbed Brady and, you know, on Comedy Central roast and Saturday Night Live, but Brady's made a few comments. There was one that came out during the Deflategate thing, and He's maybe taking a shot or two. I think he really likes Peyton. I think he has a ton of respect for him. But yeah, part of me sort of thinks Brady would love going to win a Super Bowl for Peyton's team. And there's also part of me that really wants to see Bill Belichick succeed without Tom Brady to really just cement that he is the best coach in sports history. Not just in the NFL, but in sports history. And I think they could do that if Brady leaves. I think that's already the answer that we have. Not many people say that Belichick isn't the greatest coach in the NFL. If Brady were to leave New England, I could also see him going to the LA Chargers. This is a team that just got rid of their veteran quarterback. They could very well bring in another veteran quarterback. Maybe they don't like what they have in the draft this year or where they stand in free agency. So maybe they'll bring in Tom for one year, see what he can do, and then wait another season before they get their guy. I could very well see him doing that as well. I still see him in New England. I don't know, but we'll see. It's all fun. The XFL has finished a wild week three as the Wildcats stomped the DC Defenders after we were really high on them last week. The Roughnecks, Battlehawks, and Renegades move on for a win in week three. Jimmy, what do you think about the XFL so far? I'll be honest, I I haven't really gotten to watch much. I'm interested in some of the rule changes. I like the kickoffs. I think there's really something there. That's the big one. For safety reasons, that rule is going to have to change. You already see it in college where you could fair catch a kick, you know, on the field of play, which is weird every time it happens. I still don't like that. I don't either. I understand the the safety reasons for needing to do something, and I haven't liked some of the answers that have come about so far, and I certainly wouldn't like eliminating it, so I don't love some of these extra point rules and some of the things the XFL is doing in other areas. But I like the kickoff thing, and I think that's something that I could see the sport moving in some direction, you know, somewhere in that direction. Defensive lineman Chris Smith will return to the NFL after the passing of his girlfriend almost a year ago. Mm. Chris Smith was with the Browns, and he's played a couple of good seasons with a couple of pretty good teams, so I'm interested to see where this guy will end up and what kind of impact he'll have coming after such a big tragedy. Yeah, he had, I believe, a one-month-old daughter at the time that happened, which, yeah. you know, mm. I have a young daughter now, six months old now, I can't even imagine, you know, that being thrown into your family situation, so obviously you hope he catches on somewhere, it looked like maybe his best season was with the Bengals before going over to Cleveland, that's a team that could certainly use, you know, cheap options everywhere, so hopefully he catches on somewhere. Smith reuniting with uh, Geno Atkins. Be, I mean, this is a Cincinnati team that has a lot of talent. Add more talent to that. This could be a contending team in a season. 
According to Pro Football Talk, Dak Prescott's agent has not even talked to the Cowboys one time since he turned down the $33 million a year contract. This is some kind of funny petty news coming out. Maybe Prescott's agent's just ditching them all together, but is this a sign he maybe won't return to Dallas? I can't see that. I think he'll eventually sign there. I'm not sure really what other options the Cowboys have for sure. I, I think it makes sense for Dak as well. It, they have the franchise ability, right? With yes. Him, so. They're going to franchise tag him. I yeah. think right now that is a one thing that they're going to do because he's turning down all these deals. I mean, the Cowboys were optimistic that they were going to sign him before the deadline for the franchise tag. But right now, the Cowboys believe that he's their quarterback, so they're going to have to tag him this offseason. It's going to come down to what Mike McCarthy wants at the end of the day. If he likes Dak, but McCarthy's used to Aaron Rodgers, so he just won't be satisfied with Dak, in my opinion. And But, well, you know. That's why you do the franchise tag. Give him a year in Mike McCarthy's yeah. system. McCarthy doesn't like him. Ship him somewhere else. Definitely. So moving on to the big news of the week. Justin, do you want to take it away for us? Yeah, we're going to talk about the CBA a little bit. This is something that's been coming up the last week. This has been going on since April of 2019. Uh, the talks between uh, the CBA, and we're just going to go over a little bit what has been going on with the CBA, and then what do we think about it. The owners approved the CBA on Thursday, February 20th, and they waited for players on the NFLPA to vote, according to ESPN. Then the following day, early on Friday, the NFLPA Executive Committee voted 6-5 to five not to recommend the current CBA proposal. Now you need a two-thirds vote in order for it to go to the next stage, now where players from all 32 teams can vote on the CBA. And then they're going to push it back to Tuesday night, so February 25th, or February 26th, that Wednesday morning. So here's a couple of the proposed rule changes that they have. The big two that are sweeping the league right now and sweeping social media is changing it from 16 games to 17 game regular season and then switching the playoffs from six teams to seven teams. Now, for the 17 game regular season, that wouldn't come into effect until between 2021 and 2023. And then for the seven team playoffs, for each conference, that will actually come into effect in the 2020 season. So players are reacting in different ways to both. They love the seven team for each conference, obviously because there's one extra team that can get in, but they don't like the 17 games in the regular season. There's been players such as Richard Sherman, J.J. Watt, that are saying, I'm going to take, uh, I'm going to say that's a hard no for me because 17 games, that's just a lot of wear and tear on a body, especially when now you have an extra team that can go into the playoffs, even more wear and tear. So yeah, those are the main points, a couple of salary things that we could talk about later. But let's just talk about these two main points. So what do you guys think about these two rule changes? I'm not an NFL player, so I can't talk like I'm a player, but I think the exact opposite of what the players think. I'm fine with the 17 game season as long they have to make the preseason from four games to two games if it's going to work. Too many preseason games already. And they are, according to this rule, according to SB Nation, they are going to shorten it from a four-game preseason to a three-game preseason. 
I don't think that's enough. They need to make it two. Too many good players get injured in the preseason every single year. We see it too much, and nobody watches it. It's not good for the NFL ratings. They don't get a lot of money out of it. It's just corporate greed at that point, and they need to shorten it down for the players' sake. As far as the 17 playoff bracket goes, I don't like it at all. We can possibly see a 6-10 and 10 team make it in at the 7th seed with this new playoff format, and I don't care if you start the season 0-10 and, and then win six games into the season and then you go into the playoffs with all the momentum in the world, win every single playoff game, go on to win the Super Bowl. I don't care. You didn't deserve that playoff spot. You shouldn't have even been there. The Tennessee Titans had a great run in the playoffs, but I still debate whether or not they deserve to be in the playoffs this season because they were very inconsistent throughout the whole year. You can't just choose when to get hot and play good football. You got to play consistent football all year round to earn that spot in the Super Bowl because that is the best of the best. I'm almost the opposite of you. I prefer a 16 playoff, but I'm I could live with the 17. I, you know, it changes the calculus in terms of one team getting a massive advantage as the bye. I prefer two, but I have less of an issue with that. I hate everything about the 17 game season. One thing that's so awesome about the NFL schedule is you know 14 of your 16 opponents in any given year, you know, going out for forever. And then the other two games are, you know, there for parity reasons. And if you happen to have two great teams, two great quarterbacks like a Brady Manning, maybe now with a Mahomes Jackson, you're going to see those teams play each other every year. That's great for television. It's great for interest in the league. So I love the 16 game schedule. I think we all knew 18 would happen at some point, but this just seems like a gimmicky half measure to eventually get there. I hate in you know a league as competitive as the NFL, the most competitive sports league in the world, to have a home away disparity where you're playing an uneven number of games. I know there's a chance that 17th game would always be an international game, but I don't like that. I agree with you about two preseason games. I almost think more preseason games should be international. You know, I'm a big soccer fan as well, a huge Premier League fan, and I think about that. Teams come over here. I went to see Manchester United, Barcelona, and DC. I went to see Swansea play at Richmond a couple yeah. times. These Premier League teams come over here, they're exhibitions, they don't mean anything. Sometimes they're essentially playing their reserve squad, but for big soccer fans over here, it's incredible. It's like you get to make a trip and see, you know, see these Premier League teams that you, you know, otherwise could never see in your country and it's a big deal. So I could see the same thing. They could make a lot of money, I think, moving preseason games over to Europe. You could also send, you know, four teams to whatever, Mexico, somewhere, Japan, you know, and play two games there. I, I would look at doing that. You know, I think if you you need to find a way to get the revenue back if you cut down from four preseason games. Otherwise, the owners aren't going to go for it. But I don't think going to an odd number of games is the answer. I like the idea of an international game in Japan. Could you imagine the kind of football stadium those guys could build with the technology they have over there and the way their infrastructure works? It'd be kind of cool. When you're talking about the NFL and making money, you can make more money internationally. Having these games being international, because you don't already have a lot of people coming to preseason games anyway. I mean, the only reason I look at tickets for preseason games is because they're like 5 or $10. Yeah. So that's the only reason you get people to go. So when you're going internationally to places that don't have NFL games, those stadiums are going to be packed, even if it is games where the backups are playing. If you shorten it to two preseason games, I don't think you're going to see the starters play except maybe one drive the entire preseason. If a Premier League game came around this area and the tickets were pretty affordable, I would go on a heartbeat. I wouldn't care who's playing. It would just be a fun experience and the people across these would look at it a lot the same way. You know, a new sport in the new area coming in, playing some high-paced football would be a fun look and yeah for 
as far as making money goes, which is what the CBA is all about, it, it just does nothing but help the NFL if they do that. But, you know, we're talking about the NFL, you know, will they actually do this? You know, probably not. But yeah, the NFL is right now. I mean, they have another year on this bargaining agreement. And so they're just trying to get it done as soon as possible. But the way the players are reacting to the 17-game season, they're going to have to do something. I mean, in my opinion, because of the way the players are reacting, I mean, they didn't react to the bargaining agreement 10 years ago. Um, I was listening to Pat McAfee's show, and he was talking a lot about how the players didn't have any PR at all, any public relations going into that. So now that players are pushing back, the owners and the NFLPA, they have to come together. What are, what are they going to do? So a question real quick that's just coming to my mind, what would you change? Would you just have this 16-game season? What else would you change about this collective bargaining agreement that players might be able to agree with? Well, at the end of the day, the 17-game season is coming down to how are they going to make money on that 17th game? And they have agreed that um, an extra game check will be capped at $250,000. And depending on whether or not you're a starter or a bench warmer, this could be good news. This could be bad news for you. You don't know. Um, there's players like Michael Thomas who've already come out not liking that specific proposal. Uh, you know, I don't think a lot of the players are going to vote for this because you're right. They do have PR now. They have agents now. They have people to sit there and kind of tell them what to think. And that could change the way this whole CBA is even looked at. But you, know, you mentioned bench warmers. I, I don't think they're far apart, and I don't think this is a bad deal for the players. The owners are trying to cram it through quickly, I think, because they want to get on TV deals. There's certain teams that, that, like the Pats and like the Saints with Breeze, need this CBA, I think, in order to do dummy years at the end of contracts. And yeah. They could actually need that to sort of get the contracts they're planning on giving their quarterbacks. So I think the owners are trying to push this through, but it's not a bad deal for the players. Their split of the revenue does go up a little I look at some of the things you mentioned, like, you know, just an extra game check. A big percentage of the NFL Players Association has to be those guys at the bottom of the roster churn, people not making a lot of money. You know, you never want anyone to get hurt, but I don't think more games and extra opportunity, potentially more injuries, which opens up more spots, is bad for them. No. It might be what, you know, gives them the break that sort of saves their career. So I do think this is eventually going to get passed just because, it, you know, and you'll get to some of the other things with, you know, drug policy changes. I, there's small things in here that are good for players, but I, I, I think this opens up more opportunities maybe at the bottom of the roster. And when you really look at it, it's probably half the NFLPA that, you know, I think that includes everyone that appeared in a game last year. So half of that group are people that just want... I think would like a 17th game, would like more opportunities for players at the bottom of the roster. And that's a great point because when we're talking about, okay, the players won't approve this, well, who are the players? Because we're just talking about like very well-known guys and Richard Sherman, J.J. Watt, a lot of these guys coming out and saying this. But like you said, guys that are at the bottom of the end that maybe are looking for a chance in the NFL and a chance to not only be on a roster, but an opportunity to show that they're good. I mean, you guys, you got guys like Damian Williams that we showed was fantastic in the Super Bowl that was bouncing from roster to roster. So you got guys like that who could possibly make an impact for a team. But how can teams know that if they don't get playing time at all? So this could be something that could benefit them and might pass because of it. A change I propose is do something similar to what Major League Baseball does. In series of fives, 
don't do a series of five. That's all I'm talking about. But you know, you have 17 games of the season. Maybe you can make a rule where you cannot start the same player all 17 games. Maybe if there's one game, you have to bench that player and let the backup come in. So maybe the max amount for a player in the league is still 16 regular season games, but you still have that 17th game. So that'll bring more on depth and it'll give these backup players their time to shine. And it gets rid of the injury problem that we're talking about, because that's the issue is giving players money, it's giving them players time, and it's going to make sure that they don't get injured. And if you ha- make sure that, let's say, Drew Brees only starts 16 games a season, you bring maybe rest him for a week for the playoffs, bring in his backup, see how Bridgewater does. See what- that the thing with that is that what if you're playing for a playoff spot but you have to start your backup quarterback you should have planned ahead of time you want to look at your schedule ahead of time and see which games you're going to want to bench what players it's, it's all strategies all the nfo is you got to coach you got to strategize and you got to figure it out because the team against you has to do the same exact thing so we're going to move on to a couple of salary rights things and then the drug policy changes. So one of the big things that we're not really talking about is some of the salary changes. And that it might be the thing that wins players over the most. The projected increase is around $5 billion for the players over the next 10 years for this deal. That comes from NFL.com. And at least 90000 increase for in 2020 for minimum salary players so players that are just have a one-year contract and those players are at least two or three years in the nfl they come in and they can get that increase and then that will be 80k to 105k increase in 2021 and then 45,000 increase each year after that according to nfl.com and they are also increasing the minimum salary benefit and then a couple other things that they're doing one of the biggest things i could see why this could pass is they are raising the minimum for practice squad players to $10,500 per week and a total of 12 players increasing to 14 players with two unlimited accured season players according to NFL.com. I mean with so many players on the practice squad just trying to find their way in the NFL I mean that could be one of the reasons why this passes. Yeah that's what I was saying before the players aren't wrong to pump the brakes because the owners are trying to push this through quickly and threatening that they won't negotiate anymore where there's really no reason to take that stance but I think eventually something similar to this gets done because it isn't bad for the players and the guys at the bottom that really need to you know they're the ones that need to play they can't afford a strike because they really haven't made that much money if they've been on and off rosters and practice squads when you think about the cost of just living a life of an NFL player even if you're being frugal with your money that what you make goes pretty quickly especially if you aren't getting those guaranteed game checks and you're on the roster for a week or two then you're back in the practice squad you know they are getting a bump in their in their share of the revenue I think from 47 to 48.5% if they do go to the 17th game that's not generous from the owners when you consider they're making you know much more much higher percentage of local revenue they can make a hundred percent of adjacent things like shopping centers around the stadium concerts so you know players could probably be in their rights to push for more but they are getting some small concessions that i think could be really meaningful for people at the bottom of of those rosters so it's not a bad deal and a couple of more things just to add that they're adding to the cba so there will be an overall reduction in on-field fines, so when something happens on the field, there's going to be a reduction in those fines. And then a couple of drug policy changes. So they're reducing the penalties to players who test positive for THC, which eliminates game suspensions strictly just for a positive test. And then it also increases the nanogram limit from 35 to 150 this is all according to NFL.com. I mean, what does this say for the players as far as the drug policy? 
It means Josh Gordon is finally safe, then he can play in the NFL. <laughs> I kind of like this. I don't know. It's not going to change that much of the way it's played, but it's changing policies, which I never think is a bad thing. I already thought that what they had in place was way too strict. So it's good to see them actually want to loosen up on something. Yeah, exactly. This isn't you know changing anything with more serious performance-enhancing drugs, but... From what you hear, some players probably are smoking marijuana either recreationally or maybe as a painkiller, which a lot of players certainly need in that league. It doesn't seem that, you know, the hill the NFL should die on in terms of really going after players. And Mm -hmm. another thing that I think will be viewed positively by some of the players when they're deciding whether to approve this. All right. Quick last question. Will the current CBA be approved by the NFLPA, by the players, or will it not be approved and then they'll need to make some changes? Well, it's getting delayed for a reason. I do think they're going to change some things. This CBA does have a lot of good stuff on it. There's some stuff that I would like to see changed. I hope that they come around and change some of these weaknesses. This will pass. I believe a lot of this will be in action next season. A lot of it will probably be twisted a little bit, tweaked. We're going to see some changes, but nothing that isn't too glaring from what we see now. I agree. I think it eventually passes by March 18th, the start of the league year. Yeah, I can see that. And also with the NFL Combine coming up, they're saying that they want to try to get talks going and try to get players on the side of this CBA by the time that the Combine occurs on Thursday. So that does it for CBA. And um, we want to thank Jimmy for coming out and uh, joining our show with us today. It's been a pleasure having you on. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. I know we have both of you helping us out with some play-by-play broadcasting for our teams, which is it's always awesome to get the Bridgewater students involved in that. So it was cool to see another side and try podcasting for, for myself for the first time. Absolutely. Thank you for giving us that opportunity as well, you know, mutual yeah. benefits. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Jimmy. All right, Justin, now it's time that we move into regular Beyond the Blitz talk. It's time to get analytical with it, so let's break it down because you know what time it is. What time is it, Brandon? It's time for Way Too Early Predictions. So here for Way Too Early Predictions, we are going to go over some position battles we could potentially see come into formation early in the season. So we each have three written down for three different positions, and we're going to go through this and see which players are going to be fighting for their starting jobs. My first pick, we head over to Tampa Bay, where head coach Bruce Arians will bring in Teddy Bridgewater out of free agency to compete to get that starting job from Jameis Winston. Bruce Arians has said both good and bad things about Jameis, and this leads me to believe that they're going to want to at least bring in competition for him, because if you bring in someone that could potentially take his job, Jameis has the talent to potentially go from 30 and 30 to 30 and 10, and really clean up his mistakes and make this team look good, as Justin said a few episodes ago. Jameis Winston does have promise to improve on his game, and if you give him someone to compete with, like a British quarterback like Teddy Bridgewater, we could very well see both of their games improve, and they are both could become very valuable quarterbacks down in Tampa Bay. Yeah, I could definitely see that. I mean, the Bucks with the roster that they have, they might be in win-now mode. So with a quarterback like Jameis Winston, do you take the risk? I mean, I said earlier, I think he'll be one of the better players next year if he stays there. But now if you're Bruce Arians are thinking, is he one of those players that I want on my team that's in win-now mode? Because their defense, I mean, one of the best rush defenses in the NFL last year. I mean, a lot of that had to do with Ndamukong Sue. So that all depends if they bring him back or not and then you got Shaq Barrett led the league in sacks most likely going to bring him back as well and then you got all those weapons on offense I mean with the right quarterback they could win at least 10 games and go to the playoffs next year hundreds of miles away in the desert we have two very 
dangerous running backs who are on the same team. And we saw a pretty interesting formation down there in Arizona at the end of the season when they brought in Kenyon Drake. Uh, with David Johnson having injury problems, having consistency issues when he's on the field. Kenyon Drake is a very high caliber running back. So is David Johnson when he's playing well. We could very well see an interesting position battle going on down there. And whoever loses that job could be very good trade bait. I think with this position battle, the thing is, I think Kenyon Drake is going to be trade bait. The Arizona Cardinals already said they're not going to get rid of David Johnson, no matter what. I mean, they've seen teams say that in the past and then they get rid of him three months later. Yeah. But I think that... The Arizona Cardinals, they're sincere with this. They want David Johnson to be that number one back, be a top five back as he was about two or three years ago, and they believe that he can be. So with the season that Kenyon Drake just had, he could be very good trade bait, second or third round pick for him because of how well he did last season. Neither one of these running backs should be a number two option. They're both starters. I think Kenyon Drake is the better running back right now. Kenyon Drake had a very good last half of the season. He was my crutch in fantasy for a little while and brought Arizona to a couple of close games with his running ability. I would take Kenyon Drake over David Johnson if it were up to me, but we'll see how it goes down in the desert. Next up, we head up north to the city that's always raining. We have a new tight end battle with the addition of Greg Olson and the very talented Will Disley, who had a great season a year ago. We could see a sort of Rob Gronk cast Aaron Hernandez type of tight end situation going on here where they use both tight ends as crutches for different reasons but at the end of the day one of these guys will be number one and one of these guys will be number two Greg Olson is not the player he used to be and Will Disley is a rising star in this league so it'll be very interesting to see how it goes on down there I do think Greg Olson will take more of a Jason Witten type of role coming up into the season he has injury issues he's a great in the red zone he's tall he's physical and he has great hands I could see him being a red zone threat a third down threat and will disley being the vertical guy you go to on deep first and second down plays yeah i think that's great when you're talking about the seattle seahawks i mean russell wilson is the type of quarterback who can rely on his tight ends so will disley i mean he's a third year guy practically a second year guy because last year was his first year starting so he's the younger guy guy that you want to come into the system and play well, but Greg Olson, I mean, he's just been fantastic over his career. I mean, vying for a spot possibly in the Hall of Fame when he retires. And right now, it's just coaching up Will Disley, but also, you know, you still got that talent, even at an old age, for a guy like Greg Olson. He's just fantastic to have him on in your team, no matter who's the starter. I do think Greg Olson is the better player, but just because it is Greg Olson, but I just don't like the fact that you're going to bench you on talent. I don't like that. I think you got to give the starting job to Disley. You have to give him the bulk of the snaps, especially with Greg Olson's injury issues and his concussion problems. So, uh, you know, a couple things analyzed moving down the home stretch there, but I would definitely give the starting job to Disley if I were the Seattle management. So the first position battle that I want to go over is the Patriots quarterback position battle. Okay. I think Jarrett Stidham is going to have a really good chance to win this battle. I mean, really? Coaches for the Patriots have said that if Tom Brady leaves, they are confident in Jarrett Stidham. But that being said, I think Tom Brady's going to leave. Stenham's going to have an opportunity to compete for the job. They're not going to draft a quarterback because Stenham is a second-year guy out of Auburn. Why not bring in a veteran quarterback? Or maybe even trade for a veteran quarterback. I like to make bold predictions here. The New England Patriots get the guy that caught a touchdown against them in the Super Bowl. Oh. Nick Foles goes to the New England Patriots and competes for a starting job. I mm. could definitely see that. I mean, I know you're making a face at me right now. You might not agree with me, but I, mean, I could see Nick Foles battling with Stidham for this job. But plot twist, Stidham still wins the job. 
I think, mm. in New England. I mean, they like this guy, but I could see them, maybe not Nick Foles, but bringing in a guy through a trade who's been a backup for a while or was a starter for a while and maybe a guy bringing in a guy like Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, I could see that situation happening where they lose Brady, they get a veteran guy to compete with Stidham, but Stidham ultimately still wins the job. We have a history of great New England quarterbacks dating back to Drew Bledsoe. A single, every quarterback that stepped up for them since then has played well and has went other places, either played well or played bad. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo just went to a Super Bowl after spending some time with the Patriots. So I believe Stenham is a good quarterback. They wouldn't have him on the roster if he wasn't. Uh, he fits the Patriots' team pretty well, apparently. But Nick Foles? I don't know, man. This kid's going to want the big butts. He believes in his own talent, but at the same time, he's getting paid a lot from Jacksonville right now. Uh, I still think he's going to be that guy down there in Duval, but mm, I, don't know, I could see it. I could see it, but at the same time, I don't want to see it. Yeah, I wouldn't want to see it either. I mean, if anywhere Nick Foles goes, I want him to go back to the Eagles and just have a happy <laughs> life in Philadelphia for the rest of his career in the NFL. But, I mean, the Patriots, they've always been that sneaky team when it comes to trades. I mean, they just trade for a guy out of nowhere for almost nothing because it's the New England Patriots. So I can see that. For my next position battle, I'm going to talk about the Kansas City Chiefs and what they're going to do at their running back position. Damian Williams just had a huge postseason, a huge Super Bowl. He should have won the Super Bowl MVP. But we've seen time and time again of running backs that were fantastic in the playoffs, fantastic in the Super Bowl, and then the following year, they don't really do anything or the team doesn't really rely on them. James White. Yeah, James White being one of those guys. I mean, if you think way back, like way back in NFL history, you talk about the Washington Redskins and Timmy Smith, over 150 yards, 200 yards rushing, the only good game of his career, and then after that doesn't really do anything. But I also look at Raheem Mostert uh, in the postseason with the uh, 49ers this past year as well, doing a lot of nothing and then everything at once. Yeah, I mean, you could also see that being a position battle too because they have a lot of running backs in San Francisco. But with Damian Williams, I mean, I think that with a late pick, number 32, you could see a guy like DeAndre Swift going to the Kansas City Chiefs and competing for that job. In my opinion, I want to see Damian Williams win this job 100% because he has earned it. But if you bring in a guy like DeAndre Swift, this is going to be a very interesting competition for this running back spot. I mean, this past season, they did a lot of running back rotations, the running back carousel, as you could call it. I think they'll do that again, but ultimately, Damian Williams, at least at the start of the season, will have the job. I agree with that at the start of the season, but if you do bring in a rookie talent like that, might not be the start of the whole season. Yeah. And for my last position battle, we're going to go to the defensive side of the ball and talk about the Detroit Lions. What are they going to do at corner? I mean, we talked about Darius Slay possibly leaving the Lions. I mean, we both agree that would be one of the worst things for that Lions defense and that Lions team as a whole. But then you look at, well, what are they going to do in the draft? I mean, Jeff Okuda, he's right there. If they trade down from three to five, they can still get him at five because the teams are going to trade up. They're going to get quarterbacks. They're not going to want a corner. So if you have guys like Darius Slay and Okuda there, that could be unstoppable. But let's say Darius Slay leaves. Okuda is your guy right there. So, I mean, what do you do at the corner position? I think you could bring in a guy like Logan Ryan, have him 
compete. I think it's one of those things, like we said with Damian Williams and with bringing in a guy like DeAndre Swift. At first, you could have the Lions rely heavily on a guy like maybe Logan Ryan, Bradley Roby, some of these guys who have started as a number one corner for a while. But then Jeff Okuda being that number one corner by week five or week six. I mean, this isn't really like a huge position battle. But it just all depends who they bring in in the offseason. But it's going to be one of those things, like I said, with the Kansas City Chiefs. I wouldn't be so sure about the trade-up thing with Miami. If Miami trades up at the Lions position, I don't know if they're doing it for Tua. They might be doing it for Akuda. I don't know about that because they have Howard there. And there are some good free agent corners coming. And the Dolphins have a lot of money. So Dolphins also have three first round picks. That's true. But if you're trading up, it has to be for your franchise quarterback because they're going to use one of those three first round picks. I think Miami is content with staying at five. Tua will still be there at five. I don't think they should make a Chicago type mistake that they made with Trubisky a couple years back. It would be the exact same mere mistake. But I think Miami should sit where they are, wait for Tua. He'll drop to five. Uh, Kuda will definitely be there at three with Detroit. Yeah, he's he's Detroit's guy. They have to get him. Yeah, so what do you think about a possible position battle in Detroit for that corner spot? I mean, is there a position battle even there if Okuda gets drafted there? No, if Darius Slay stays with Detroit, he'll stay on the left, Okuda will take the right, and nobody will be able to throw against that defense. Mm. They're both starters in the league. Okuda is the best defensive back out of this league. He will completely revamp defenses, give him a couple of seasons, he'll become a leader, he'll become experienced, and this kid will be dangerous in the NFL. If, if he can stay healthy, that's always a big if, which he hasn't had any problems with in college, so that's not really a question right now either. Darius Slay is still one of the best defensive bats in the NFL right now. He can coach up this kid to be an all-star athlete. Yeah. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. That's all the time we have for you here today. We want to give a special shout out to our guest today, Jimmy McCumber, for coming on our show. He was a great guest, does a lot of good things here at Bridgewater. Definitely tune into some of the sporting events here. He manages all of it. And one exciting announcement out of Beyond the Blitz, it seems like we have it every single week. We are officially on Apple Podcasts, so you can now find us on multiple platforms. Please spread the word. Help us get the word out there. We exist. We're fun. I hope you think so. I hope you agree with me on that. But anyway, that's it. Thank you very much for tuning in. Blitz crew, Brandon Wells, Justin Rogers, and stay purple. This has been Beyond the Blitz.